Welcome to this edition of Community Associations Institute's podcast. I'm Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. Today's podcast is part two in a three-part series on ADR, Alternative Dispute Resolution. In the first episode, we talked about the basics of what is ADR. In this second podcast in the series, today we will be discussing five terms that are key to success in ADR. My guest is Toby Oxholm, the Secretary of the Lakeview Estates Homeowners Association in the Pocono Mountains and a member of CAI through his business, Just Resolutions, a provider of alternative dispute resolution services. Welcome, Toby. Thanks, Tony. It's good to be with you again. Before we begin, why don't you tell us a bit about your background? Sure. I graduated from Harvard Law School in 1979 and spent the next 22 years as a trial lawyer representing plaintiffs and defendants in state and federal courts, as well as serving as a mediator, arbitrator, and what they called a judge pro tem, or judge for the day. In 2001, I left private practice to become general counsel of a university, a place where everybody seems to fight about everything. And then I got promoted, became becoming executive vice president of two universities and the president of a third. And when I retired from academia in 2016, I started Just Resolutions ADR to help people resolve their problems outside of court. And since I've been a leader of our homeowners association since around 2003, I decided to focus my efforts on helping people in planned communities in northeastern Pennsylvania, which is where I live. And you're doing seminars and podcasts for CAI, teaching us about ADR, Alternative Dispute Resolution. We're going to be talking today about the five key terms that should be in an ADR agreement. But before we start discussing specific terms, how about an overall question? Do you need to have an, a, an agreement in writing to do ADR? That's actually an excellent question, Tony, and no, you don't. Uh, remember when we were kids, we used to use rock, scissors, paper to make decisions. That was ADR. So was drawing straws and rolling dice. We didn't need it to be in writing then, and it doesn't need to be in writing now. ADR agreements are like any other contract. You can just say, okay, or you can shake hands, and that's it. The problem comes when somebody doesn't live up to the agreement or doesn't remember the agreement just the same way you do. If the agreement's just oral, who's right? Just like anything else that's important, it makes good sense to get the ADR agreement in writing up front so there aren't any fights about it later. I guess that's especially true when, you're already, when you already have a disagreement, the one that you're trying to resolve. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and actually, discussing ways to resolve disputes other than in court is a great way to get people discussing about how they can resolve their overall dispute, which is what ADR is all about. So let's talk about that. Uh, you're recommending that we think about five key points when we are considering ADR. What's the first? Well, the most important thing you have to agree on in the start at the start is um, what and when do you want the process to be? Court is a judicial dispute resolution process. Before uh, before you you know, sorry, I gotta start this over. That's all right. All right. Um, the most important thing you have to agree on at the start is what and when do you want the process to be? Court is a judicial dispute resolution process. You go before a judge, submit all of your proof, and the judge or jury decides who wins or loses. Alternative dispute resolution, alternative to court, is anything other than going to court, so it can be any method both sides agree to. Now, one type of ADR that's used a lot is when the different sides pick someone neutral to act as the judge and make the decision. 
There's still a hearing with testimony, exhibits, and everything, but it's way less formal than court and happens much faster and much cheaper. That's a process called arbitration, and the neutral person you pick to hold the hearing, listen to the witnesses, make the decision, is called the arbitrator. But maybe the dispute is over something that an independent expert could investigate and tell you what's what, or what's needed, or how much something's going to cost. Take a claim over construction defects, and a claim between an owner and a builder, which might also include a bank. The parties could identify a builder whom they all trust, and ask that builder to investigate it and come back with a report, not just saying whether it was built wrong or not, but whether the defect really ma matters and how much it would cost to fix it. You could do this with a surveyor or engineer, a plumber, HVAC or electrician, a code enforcement officer, or a lawyer. Uh, ask them to give you their opinion and agree that it'll be the decision. That's ADR. Or maybe you don't want someone to make the decision for you, but just have someone come in and help both sides discuss the problem and negotiate a solution. That's called mediation. And the neutral person is called the mediator, a word that means someone in the middle. The number one question we need to decide up front, then, is who's going to make the final decision, right? Yeah, right. Um, the, but the what should also include the when, a deadline. The whole idea of ADR is not just to get your dispute out of court, but also to get it resolved faster. So agree in advance on when the process has to be done by. Give it a specific deadline or a number of days. Deadlines make people focus. Okay, first we pick a process that's time-limited. Uh, what's the key, what's key term number two? All right, well, you're already pretty far along doing the next important thing, which is agreeing on who is going to do it for you. The person has to be neutral and independent for sure, meaning that she or he isn't already working for one side or the other, and that the person has to be able to get the job done before your deadline. Now you have to decide what else matters to you. Before you start trading names, it's really smart not essential, but smart, to agree on the credentials that the neutral person should have. That way, it never gets personal. I don't like that guy. Um, so you have to decide what's important. Courts frequently minimize, uh, set, sorry, they set minimum requirements. Uh, to be appointed a mediator in a lawsuit in Monroe and Lackawanna counties, for example, lawyers need to have been in practice for at least 10 years. You'd think the requirements should be just as high or even higher to serve as an arbitrator, someone who's going to decide the case, someone you have to trust to be fair. You might also be looking for someone who has specialized knowledge, like experience in construction disputes or in running a business or in the interpretation of CC&Rs or bylaws. Any of this could be required or it could just be preferred. It, it's kind of like writing a job posting. So you talk with the other side about what education, what experience your neutral person should have before you start suggesting names. Well, I can understand why you'd probably want a lawyer to be an arbitrator because they have to run a hearing, rule on objections, make decisions. But do mediators have to be lawyers? No, not at all. Anyone can be a mediator. In fact, someone who lives in your community can be the mediator as long as everyone trusts that person. For a mediator, you want someone who is good at listening, knows how to keep confidential information confidential, and has a personality that keeps people talking. But by and large, the most effective mediators are those who have received special training in how to conduct mediations, or who have been certified by a court or some other organization. Either way, it's really important to agree in advance that each side gets the chance to interview the candidates, and both sides get to be satisfied that the person can be trusted. Because the bottom line is that you, you don't want to get to the end of the process and have either side complain that the neutral person really wasn't neutral or not competent. 
Well, what happens if both sides can't agree on who the neutral person should be? And, and actually, that does happen from time to time. So in that situation, maybe each side can pick one person and ask those two to work together as a team. Or maybe those two people can pick the neutral person. They can just decide who the neutral should be. Or maybe those two people will pick a third, and the three of them will together serve as a, turn, as a team. Just, just remember that the more people who get involved, the more expensive and the slower the process will be. So you decide on the kind of process you want to use, and then you decide on who the neutral person is going to be. Then what happens? All right. So the third key term you want to agree on is what happens at the end of the ADR process. Say you agree on hiring an expert um, and to be your independent expert. The expert does an investigation and comes back with her findings and conclusions. Okay. So is the expert's opinion or decision then going to be binding on the parties? Are they stuck with it? Or is it just advisory? In an arbitration, when you use a private judge, the arbitrator issues a decision. Can that decision be appealed to a judge, a real judge, uh, to review? So, if so, do you stall, start all over? What can the judge look at and maybe change? These aren't going to be things that you're going to know about all by yourself. Once you've picked your neutral, especially someone who's done a lot of ADR, that person will know the questions to ask and will help you and your other, the other side, your opponent, work through the different options. But the critically important thing is that you then write the decisions down in your ADR agreement. You mentioned what happens at the end of an arbitration with appeals and such, but you didn't mention mediation. What, what can happen at the end of a mediation? Okay, so if the mediation works, you end up with an agreement, a contract, and you sign it. But if the mediation doesn't work, then basically you're back where you started and you have to start over. You could go to court or you could try some other kind of ADR like arbitration. Okay, really? I hadn't thought about that. Um, you can try more than one kind of ADR. Well, sure. Uh, by the way, sometimes people walk away from a mediation, think about it some more, and then say, well, yeah, they want to come back and try again. So a mediation may not be over when it ends. And even if the mediation really does terminate, it's terminally over. Maybe the party has reached a few smaller agreements along the way that they're willing to consider resolved, which will narrow the dispute. Okay, so that's three things that we should think about up front. What kind of ADR do we want to use? Who's going to do it for us, and how is it going to end? What's the next key thing that should go on in an ADR agreement? One of the very best things about ADR is that it does not take place in a courthouse on the record before a court reporter in public. It's held out of the public view, in private, most, office, most often in a conference room. But to capture that potential, the ADR agreement needs to be explicit about confidentiality, and that's the fourth key term. It's pretty clear that people are willing to be more forthcoming, more honest, more willing to see the other side's point of view, more willing to accept part of the blame if they know in advance that what they say cannot come back and bite them later. Mediations are confidential by law. Whatever happens inside the mediation room stays inside the mediation room. And judges uniformly enforce this. But that's only the process, not what happens after it ends. And there's no law that makes arbitration secret, either the process or the result. So you really need to discuss and agree on what can people say about what's going on while it's going on? What can they say after it's over? Whether it ends in an expert report, an arbitrator's decision, or a mediated agreement, is that document public or is it private? Who can it be shared with if not everybody? And under what circumstances? Only when someone claims it's been breached or violated or only when it's been subpoenaed? 
Again, you probably won't think about all these wrinkles by yourself. The neutral you've hired will help you, especially if they're experienced in ADR. But going into the process, everyone should agree upfront that everything that happens from the beginning to the end and beyond is going to be completely confidential unless, unless there's some exceptions that are going to be agreed to in advance in writing. So that brings us to key term number five. Yep. So you've reached all these agreements about the process and you're ready to go. The final key term that everyone needs to think about at the beginning, and it's hugely important, is who needs to agree. In other words, the authority of the people doing the ADR. It's not always obvious who needs to participate in an ADR. An easy example involves homeowners. If a property is owned by two people, like a husband and a wife, then both need to sign a mortgage. If that property is involved in a dispute, the resolution also has to involve both of them, since both would need to sign off on it. But do both the husband and the wife need to attend the arbitration or mediation? Probably not. And how about if a bank is a party or an insurance company? There is no possible way that they're going to send the president of the company or even a vice president. They'll have a claims rep or a lower level assistant vice president or account manager show up. Can that person speak for the company? Can they bind the company in agreement? Again, probably not. And, and how about for the homeowners association? Can the community manager sign for the association? If not, who speaks for the association? Does the president have to be there? Or the treasurer? Or both? Does the majority of the whole board have to approve a settlement before it's an agreement? You have to get the right people signed up at the beginning and think through that and get them in the room when it happens. You really, really don't want to go through an alternative dispute resolution process only to get to the end and find out you've been dealing with a wrong person. So at the very start, you want to be very sure that someone with legal authority signs the ADR agreement and that the ADR agreement commits to having someone with legal authority participate in the process. Maybe all you can do is get the promise that the decision maker will always be available immediately by telephone, both during the process and at the very end. But that's a key promise to get and get it in writing up front. Well, that makes total sense. Oh, sorry, that's me, isn't it? <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> All right, we're even now. Well, that makes total sense. Uh, these five things sound like a lot, Toby, but they are also pretty simple, it seems like. We should be agreeing up front on what kind of ADR we want to do and how fast, who we want to have help us, how we want it to end, and what parts of it will be confidential, and make sure, making sure we're dealing with the person or people who has the power and the authority to make it work. Exactly. Those are the five things that will make your ADR agreement as good as it can be. And as you work through those terms, you'll be working with and making agreements with the person you're having your dispute with, which will get both sides in the mindset of resolving the dispute for themselves and not by asking some judge or jury to do it for them. Well, there's a lot of information uh to absorb five key terms, <laughs> uh, but I think it's going to be very useful to our managers and our community association volunteers, homeowners who may be considering uh, some form of alternative dispute resolution. As a reminder to our listeners, the next and final episode of our podcast series on alternative dispute resolution will focus on how ADR actually works. For more information on this and other topics related to the management and governance of your condominium or homeowner associations, please visit our website at www.cai-padelval.org. And of course, please reach out to Toby with Just Resolutions at www.justresolutionsnepa.com 
Thanks for listening and check out our other podcasts on our website.